What is good, guys and gals, and welcome to the Films and Pixels podcast, episode 30. I am your host, Afif. Now, before going on, I just want to encourage everyone that's listening and watching, regardless of your preferred platform, YouTube, Spotify, Andrami, whatever it is, please, if you haven't done so before, subscribe to the YouTube channel. It would be much appreciated. Like and follow the audio streaming platforms. I really like it means a lot to me. The comment section, please feel free to go ahead, leave a comment. It's much appreciated. It's always welcome. It's good for engagement. So it's always great. Like and follow my social media pages that I have in the links in the description section below. So that would mean a lot to me. And again, thank you to those that have done so. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's the kind of effort that means a lot to me as well. So again, thank you for even any of you who have stuck by me. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I mean, your loyalty means a lot in some ways. But anyway, regarding topics for episode 30, a big milestone to reach. So episode 30, I've got in store a topic about what is chat GPT. I want to talk about that. I keep hearing chat GPT. I want to know what that is. Giving my predictions for this year's Oscars, predicting Oscar winners in 2023. Uh, the whole m controversy, what's going on? I'm going to be explaining that in a moment. Uh, plus some concerning layoffs that's happening around Microsoft, and they're not alone in this, especially Microsoft laying off employees in different departments. Uh, one of the most, well, or recent Marvel games coming to an end, and thank God it's been a disaster since the September 2020 launch. I'll explain it further. Uh, Plus, why is Reed Hastings stepping down as Netflix CEO? And what exactly did the co-creator Rick and Morty do to get himself fired? Justin Roiland. Embroiled in controversy. I'll cover all that in just a moment. But like I said earlier, please like, comment, subscribe, follow. Just all that would be good. Much, much appreciated. All right, so without any further ado, if you're excited as I am for episode 30, the topics ahead, then yeah, let's get going. All right, guys and gals, so the first topic I want to start off with in this episode is to try to explain what is chat GPT. I keep hearing chat GPT over the last month or so, especially late December 2022, and I'm just like totally confused why are more and more brands using it, you know, relying on it, recommending it. I'm just trying to figure out what exactly is going on. What is this chat GPT? Is it like a uh, messaging, messenger software? What is it exactly? It just got me confused. Turns out it's really more than that. So what is chat GPT? It's basically like a highly popular AI based computer program that people use for generating dialogues. So it's just like a chat bot that has languages, language models that developers that, uh, you know, use this kind of AI program can use for human interaction in conversations. That's all that is, whether it's for Q and A's or online or services, whatever it may be. So it's basically like, like an AI program for customer service, so to speak, regardless of your business. Okay, so what what this what does this chatbot do? This chatbot system provides in, information and also responses, you know, inquiries through an AI system that is programmed to do whatever it may be. So that's what it is. Um, 
and really one of the more chat GPT models, the chat GPT three model. So I'll, I'll go over that, but it, it's like uh, generating responses as if it has human emotions and text box and so forth. I think we've seen it in websites when we're trying to order products online through retail store, the automatic message is like, hello, how can I help you sort of thing? Like a virtual assistant. So that's what it is. It can do a lot of things. It can also write codes, write articles. It can also translate, debug programs, debugging, whatever that is. It writes and even write stories and poems. So it, it relies on an LLP, which is like a natural language processing. So it's a great tool for researchers and developers to use uh, working on uh, NLP projects and it has specific tasks, domains and applications available to work with. So I think that's uh, that's kind of cool. And it shows that, you know, that's like more and more AI programs, even on mobile, uh, it's used very much for responding and interacting with users. Obviously, Android, iOS, it doesn't really matter for which one. So yeah, it can also reproduce data outputs and clear reliability. Uh, so it, like almost like recommending apps or being careful on what apps that are sensitive and so forth and anything that's um, not safe. So it's meant to be like a revolutionary AI software. Whether that's scary or not, I think that's a subjective opinion on what you think. So what is ja uh, so what is GPT-3 chatbot? It's like a chatbots that are AI applications that are also programmed to engage in natural human-like communication as well and provide impressive engagement and usefulness thanks to development using engines and uh, open AI threes as well and uh, training and train people in, in like spoken or written language. So that's pretty cool. It's what it does. I'm sure it's seen ever, especially on social media. So that's that's uh, somewhat interesting. And uh, it's, like I said earlier, like also good for customer services, uh, for example, and also trying to understand different languages, foreign or whatever, it may be foreign languages as well. So what do you think? Like, is this chat GPT something that we could all use? Is it something that will help our business? Or dare I say, can it take away jobs that we need? I'd love to hear your thoughts below, whatever thoughts you have, any comments that you've got, you know, just uh, write your write the comments below in the comment section. I'd love to know whatever thoughts you have on this subject. All right, guys and gals, later this year, possibly like by April, I don't remember the dates, but regardless of that, we now have the nominees for this year's Oscars uh, 2023. So that's going to be exciting once again to really know and predict who may win some of the more prestigious awards at this year's Oscars. Now, I admit at the moment, like as for the rest of the nominees in different categories, I don't have them memorized in my head, but I did write my own predictions and I'm an, and I'm kind of embarrassed to admit some of the movies I've yet to see, but I mean, based on the buzz it's generated over the past year, uh, you know, my interest has grown more and more from curious to excited on some of these movies. Uh, like, um, I don't know, something tells me as for best actor in a leading role, I have a good feeling it's going to be Brendan Fraser for his role in The Whale. I mean, there's been so much buzz and excitement about it. Like, I I think it's going to be, I, I think he has a good shot at it. 
I mean, especially like over the past year, like anytime he gets an award, everyone's like so excited for him. And like when he gets on stage, he looks like he's about to cry and he starts crying. And like, you know, that kind of person you just cheer for. It's really nice to watch. Uh, as someone who did watch everything everywhere at once, all at once, uh, I think Kehu Kwan has a good shot at winning best support as best supporting actor in a supporting role. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm going to say Kate Blanchett for, as best actress in leading role in the movie Tar. Or Tar, I think, whatever I was pronouncing. But um, yeah, I, I'd like to see that one. I, it hasn't shown up in local theaters. I, I don't even know what streaming platform it was on. But uh, so much good things has been said about her latest movie. Now, as for best actress in a supporting role, I think Angela Bassett has a good shot from her performance in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Say what you want about the, those kinds of blockbuster movies getting nominations, but well filmed. I think really great performance as well. Um, yeah, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. I, I have a good feeling it'll get best animated feature. I mean, I'm. it's it's a good thing it's still on Netflix. I, I, I like to see, again, there's so much I'm watching through Netflix and OSM Plus and whatever that I've been like, I haven't had the, I didn't even like give myself the chance just to watch it, but something tells me it's definitely much better than Disney's live action remake that was on Disney Plus. So yeah, uh, let's see. Best cinematography. Something tells me it's either going to be All Quiet on the Western Front or Empire of Light. This was a tough one. I, I admit I wasn't too sure. Best costume design. Um, either Babylon or Black Panther from Conda Forever or even Elvis. Uh, that was a tough one. I, I just wasn't sure. Maybe Wakanda Forever will get great costume. Will be awarded for best costume design. I mean, it's just really great how it's all presented. Something tells me that'll happen. Okay, so best directing. Maybe The Fablemans from Steven Spielberg or The Banshees of Inertion. Inertion. Yeah. Um, something tells me I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Fablemans wins that uh, you know wins that award it's sort of like a fictional story based on Steven Spielberg's life in a way however I do think as for best film editing I think it'll go to Top Gun Maverick I think that movie will get the award okay so best makeup and hairstyling I've been picking between the Batman or the Whale. Something tells me the Batman will win the award. You know what? Matter of fact, I'm just, I used to pick one of them. Now I'm certain about the Batman winning the award. Also, maybe the Fablemans as best music in terms of original score. I think because I think John Williams is involved in the original score. I mean, Spielberg and Williams have a history of working together creating some amazing amazing what did i just say amazing uh, musical score when collaborating in films throughout uh, their illustrious careers okay so as for a best music original song uh this shouldn't be a shock i think rihanna's lift me up uh, will definitely win the award i i definitely see it also something tells me that as for best picture, the Ban the Banshees of Inisherin or the Fablemans, one of them could win best picture, in my opinion. Now let me say this: 
uh, Best Picture, there were an 11 nominees for that one. And for some reason, Avatar, The Way of Water got nominated. I mean, no offense. It's a really good movie. It's exciting. I mean, it's really a movie with, filled with so many visual effects and strong story. I get it. And once again, James Cameron really innovated as a director, as a cinematographer, shooting a majority of the scenes. So many scenes that were filmed underwater as well. Uh, but as a Best Picture nominee, uh, no, not really. I just, I disagree. It's not a bad film. It's just, why that one in particular? However, I do think it'll win uh, for Best Production Design. So that's something. There were also other nominees. Uh, before, I'll get to that in just a moment. But I do think that Batman will be awarded for Best Visual Effects and Best Sound. Now, there are more categories. It's just I really couldn't predict like um, animated films or even like short animated films or documentaries or docuseries, I think. There were so many other uh, categories. Uh, there were still some left that I, I really just couldn't predict, but I'm confident in the choices I made in terms of, uh, you know, nominees that could win this year's Oscars. So I... I whether I'm right or wrong, eventually it's fine by me, but I just thought like, you know, look at it. I just, I think it's just really fun to talk about since, uh, you know, there's so much buzz regarding a lot of these movies uh, generating a lot of excitement through different ceremonies, whether it's like Golden Globes recently, uh, you know, ongoing to this year's Oscars. So I realize this topic, maybe a lot of people may not be aware of, but it's so weird and funny. There's a strange controversy regarding one of the world's top memorable, well-known uh, chocolate brands, a candy brand. That happens to be M&M's. Now, for some reason, going through a bit of a cancel culture moment, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, it's like, so they've decided to pull away their candy characters and no longer as like spokes can or like spokes candies no longer like spokespersons for their brand and instead they've hired Maya Rudolph to be like a representative for M&Ms which is so unexpected and so weird so these M&M cartoon characters are no longer going to be part of the company's marketing and branding anymore or at least indefinitely I mean I don't know I hope they do come back it's it's just weird uh, the, just because there was a rebranding of the characters in recently just to make them look more inclusive and it backfired. It it just didn't work out. So the owner of the company, Mars Wrigley, or it's not a person, it's an entity, Mars Wrigley, just try to update the characters' looks just for them to be more dynamic and progressive in the world. And I, I do have a statement on the whole thing, especially like one of the more well-known design changes was the green M&M female character. I mean, it was just meant... Like, there were good intentions for her to be less sexier by having her legs be shorter and uh, and replacing her high-heeled boots with sneakers. I mean, to me, there's nothing wrong with that. The fact that there was so much uproar is crazy to me. It kind of reminds me of a similar situation before the release of uh, Space Jam starring LeBron James. Uh, Lola Bunny was re redesigned to be less sexy and so many people uh, lost their minds and became insane, which is kind of stupid, even looking back on it. 
you know so it, it was just there and there were criticisms of this move like as feminists criticizing as a knock against corporations showing like being hot as a problem so i'm, I'm not sure it's it's just meant like I don't really see how it's bad, this design change, but there is a statement that I have with me. America, let's talk. In the last year, we've made some changes to our beloved spokes candies. We weren't sure if anyone would notice, and we definitely didn't think it would break the internet. But now we get it. Even a candy's shoes can be polarizing. Which was the last thing M&M's wanted, since we're all about bringing people together. Yay. Therefore, we have decided to take an indefinite pause from the spokes candies. In their place, we are proud to introduce a spokesperson America can agree on. The beloved Maya Rudolph. We are confident Miss Rudolph will champion the power of fun and create a world where everyone feels they belong. Okay. So yeah, that's... Uh, so that's the official statement from Mars Wrigley on their Twitter page. Basically, just confirming the change. Maya Rudolph, now spokesperson for M&M's, which is so weird. It didn't help that the brand got a lot of pushback and criticism publicly, especially from someone like Tucker Carlson on his Fox show. Um, you know, during, saying like now M&M's are just being woke in a live segment. And it didn't help as well. But of course, social media has a way of reacting. They use whatever his audio segments and use it in like, and TikTok videos in comedic ways. So that was just it. So, and he was showing like an image of like Eminem's green and brown from 2015. The brown Eminem's is also a female cartoon character. And then an image of the purple Eminem, which is really one of the newest additions introduced in September 22, purple Eminem. So, yeah, that, I mean, the, the whole thing is just kind of weird and so forth. And, you know, with my Rudolph, uh, Mars Wrigley said that it will allow the colorful cast of Eminem spokes candies to step away and embrace a new path to pursue other passions. Whatever that's supposed to mean. But, I mean, clearly my Rudolph very excited to be a spokesperson for Eminem. So, um, very weird how this whole thing played out. I mean, it's just chocolate. It's just candy. Like, why is everyone losing their minds over a minor redesign change of making a female cartoon character more relatable and less inappropriate for children? It's It shouldn't be that offensive. It's 2023, I know, but everyone needs to calm down. I, I, just, I just sometimes don't get it anymore. The gaming world in itself has seen a strange situation where Microsoft specifically have been forced to lay off 10,000 employees. That is a lot. That's basically 5% of their workforce. And it's not just the gaming department uh, for Microsoft, uh, which also includes employees working on Xbox and Bethesda. And this, this is not something I'm happy with. Of course, not just Bethesda, ZeniMax Media, 3-4 Industries, The Coalition, and many, many more people have lost their jobs. And, and you know, like CEO uh, Nadia Satella had to, I think that's the name, sending an email saying that 5% of the work, workforce had to be let go. And you know what? They're not the only ones. Like Meta, Google, Amazon, 
Salesforce, Spotify, and Stripe have also made difficult decisions, laying off, you know, hundreds of employees, thousands even. But still, I really don't like this. And look, I get it. COVID-19 pandemic really ha have hurt companies like Microsoft financially. I understand that part. And, you know, they really struggled to release exclusives in 2022, especially when there was a lot of hype about Starfield coming next last year. And it's definitely happening again this year. But I mean, uh, what happened in for, in, for Xbox in 2022? Not exactly a great look. Considering how Sony uh, last year released Gran Turismo 7, Horizon Forbidden West, God of War Ragnarok, just to name a few, which really uh, bestsellers, nominations, all sorts of like excitement that have really helped Sony for the PS5. And even from their CES 2023 co conference, they announced that 30 million have been sold. So the there's a good momentum. The Series X is still doing fine as well commercially with many units being sold. But I mean, just like in terms of 2022 exclusives, nothing good has happened for Xbox, especially when you consider late 2021, Halo Infinite and Horizon, Forza Horizon 5 got released. So that's probably one of the reasons. But also uh, Game Pass, uh, you know, for them, Game Pass has been really a huge hit as a way of, uh, you know, people to get, you know, subscribe them and let them play hundreds of games at such a great value, like 10 to $15, whether on Xbox or even now on Windows for just 15, 10 to $15 a month. That's really incredible. But there have been, uh, uh, there have been data showing that the subscriptions have fluctuated recently and numbers have decreased so that's exactly the issue and you know even people from 343 industries have responded with the situation saying that despite what's happened halo will still be at the core and will still be an important part and you know that's that's a good thing i mean without halo there's no xbox let's just admit one thing without halo when the original xbox launched the brand itself wouldn't go anywhere would even try to compete against sony so that's exactly what happened. Now, the in, the leadership, or I should say the team from 343 Industries did blame Microsoft for their incompetent leadership on this situation. And this is on top of the ongoing uh, Activision Blizzard deal from their acquisition last year. They're trying to fully complete despite uh, investigations from the FTC. And if it drags on, the whole situation could go to court and really, it could be damaging. So this isn't going to be a very good look. Phil Spencer, who's the head of Xbox Business, did have an interview with IGN recently uh, saying that 2023 will still be... They're hoping that 2023 will be an important year and really the kind of the year that will allow them to make splashes and still releasing gaming content, an important part, especially when there was like an Xbox Developer Direct recently just for like a few games nothing that in my opinion was exciting i mean yes there is a release date for redfall but other than that nothing no information on starfield or anything i mean after last year's e3 i mean the way i see i saw it as a mix of like skyrim and fallout which is kind of cool like skyrim exploration fallout combat so 
I think uh, that'll be a big one. And that's at the same time, Sony having, you know, major exclusives planned for this year alone. So they're facing stiff competition as well as Nintendo having major exclusives coming this year, like The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom in May. So yeah, Microsoft have a lot of work cut out for them, especially in the Xbox gaming department. A lot of going on. And I don't like how, I mean, just after they acquired ZeniMax Media Bethesda, now all of a sudden they had to fire employees who were part of the job. I mean, I'm, it's just getting concerning, like, this, like the whole acquisitions that they've made. And so far, it just seems to me like they have nothing to show for it. I really don't get it anymore. I don't like what's happening. I don't like the decision making. I don't even like the financial commitments that they've made and how it's really starting to look like empty promises after empty promises. Whereas a lot of these studios were fine by themselves, independent or not, or whatever it may be, they were doing okay. You know, like we already saw The Outer Worlds uh, being a multi-platform release. The sequel was announced I think as a Microsoft exclusive, but we don't know when and that's okay. It's still early, but I just think if it continued to be multi-platform development would be more than fine instead of the chaos that seems to be going on right now uh, with Microsoft. I don't like what's going on. It's not a good look and it's just putting more and more of these employees at other major gaming studios that have their jobs at risk or even just other departments at Microsoft, gaming or not. It's a very uneasy situation, especially seeing as Google and Meta and Amazon, Spotify, as well, Salesforce, Stripe as well, being forced to let go and laying off employees. It's, it's a weird situation and not a good look for everyone involved. All right, guys and gals, I'm happy to report that Crystal's Di Crystal Diamond Dynamics Marvel's Avengers video game, the ongoing development is finally coming to an end. I'm going to repeat it once more so that I'm more precise. Marvel's Avengers video game ongoing development has finally come to an end. I'm not kidding. I'm actually happy about it. Now keep in mind, I've never played it, although I've tried the like open beta at some point but that was just about it i'm actually happy it's coming to an end i mean just to see the kind of mess it has been literally from beginning to end and this goes back before it was launched i mean it got delayed for technical reasons and even after launch still a technical mess on top of you know the end game content and repetitive gameplay lack of enemies short campaign the games as a live service was really like it didn't help the idea was not good enough as well and of course the the, the uh, micro transactions like when it comes to cosmetics like you'd have to really grind and grind and grind and play the game just to get like all kinds of cosmetics or just use the credits to pay for money and get these cosmetics or whatever the case may be it's just really bad really ugly like, while it looks good, and depending on the console or system you're playing, it does perform well and good resolution and so forth. But it, it's just like, it, it's just been a disaster. It's 
it's just been a mess from beginning to end. And even post-launch, less and less and less players stopped playing the game, Steam or whatever it may be. And there's even data on it. It's just really bad. It just became such a mess. You know, I just want to mention something. I saw it at a place close to my house. It uh, looks like a brand new copy, not used for $40. And I was just like, no way, no how. $40 for th this kind of disaster? No, not even $20. 10 or less, I'd be like, okay, low risk, also likely low reward. It's just a disaster. And so... How do I know it's coming to an end? They, uh, Crystal Dynamics published a blog. Of course, they announced there's a post about it on Twitter um, and, you know, posted a link that directly goes to their blog detailing everything going on uh, with an update 2.8 that's coming March 31 of this year. Of course, it fixes balance changes. They're not adding any more content or anything. Although uh, the cosmetics for the marketplace will be free, that includes uh, nothing will be purchasable with the microtransactions. So everything like the marketplace, the challenge cards, uh, shipment cosmetics will be free starting the end of March. And the support for the game will officially end by September 30 of this year. But still the single player and the online multiplayer will still go on, but there's no guarantee what happens after September 30. Likely there's like someone who will just monitor the online activity, sort of what's happening with Anthem, if you know what I'm talking about. But that's really it. It's just been, a, like I was saying earlier, it's been a disaster pre-launch and post-launch. It's just been really bad. I want to, I want to be convinced to give this game a try and to play it and think it'll be fun, but... Just to see everything that's gone wrong, it's really like, it's really pushed me away. As someone who's more single player than multiplayer, whenever I get the time just to play for a bit and do so, it's it's been very concerning just to see what's going on, regardless of genre, like, uh, for, as for me, but just to see what's been going on with the game specifically, it's it's been really, really, really bad. How do you like mess up one of the biggest entertainment IPs in the world into one of the biggest gaming disappointments in recent years? How do you just do that? Like you have the money, you have the resources, there's the team, and you have the license to use the characters in a, in a lot of ways. I mean, it's just really bad. You know what would be better with your own money? Uh, based Based on the positive reviews and reactions, I'd say go ahead and get Marvel's Midnight Suns. It's a new game. It's like a real-time stra strategy kind of game, similar to XCOM. Uh, in fact, even the team behind XCOM Enemy Unknown, XCOM 2, developed Midnight Suns. That game is worth your money. Go go and get it. Even if, if you're someone that still plays on the Switch, even uh, Marvel's Ultimate Alliance 3, The Black Order, um, may be a better purchase. And yes, you do play at the camera angle. You do play it in an isometric view. And so multiplayer isn't encouraged, but you can still play single player. Have fun. Unlock characters. Don't worry about using your actual money for cosmetics. And even pay for the expansions if you want. 
speaking of expansions, I will talk about Avengers expansions. And yeah, there was like the Black Panther, War for Wakanda, uh, Hawkeye characters, both Clint Barton and Kate Bishop. The Mighty Thor was also included. Even recently, uh, Winter Soldier, which uh, his inclusion got a lot of criticism just because his play style in combat was like a mixture of uh, Captain America and Black Widow, which is kind of expected, I guess. Not too shocking there to me, but still not a lot of people were happy about it. And last but not least, even the inclusion of Spider-Man. Of course, Spider-Man in a game like this would be included. But what's even more insulting? Still a PlayStation exclusive. They did confirm in the blog post, Spider-Man not coming to Xbox, not coming to Windows. That's it. If you're playing the game on PS4 or PS5, I mean, those players have access as, to play as Spider-Man. It's just really insulting. Like, I, I don't even consider it a joke because it's not funny. It's, it's just egregious. Like, the monetization the developers have used for this game is just a pathetic joke and really an embarrassment to how they conduct that kind of business. And just how do they insult, especially many people who are like MCU fans. Of course, in some ways, the game is inspired by the MCU. And to just treat people like that and, you know, trick them to spend their hard-earned money is just insulting. If it, if it becomes really cheap and you don't have to worry about cosmetics after March 31, just if you want to give it a shot, as long as it turns to a low-risk kind of investment okay but i don't even i'm not even sure anymore it's even worth the risk that's how bad it got and it's just a colossal embarrassment just embarrassing and a move that has most certainly shocked everyone and given an unexpected surprise reed hastings has announced that he will now step down as netflix ceo Wow, I don't think anyone saw this coming. Reed Hastings, let me repeat it, Reed Hastings has stepped down from his role as the CEO of Netflix. Gonna say that one more time just to let it sink in. Reed Hastings stepping down from his role as CEO of Netflix. However, he will stay on board as the executive chairman, so that's still a good thing. He's gonna be replaced by co-CEOs, Ted Sarandos and Greg Peters. Uh, and, you know, I his reasons are understandable, but, you know, I you just kind of feel for him because, you know, we can relate. I mean, you know, it's trying to work through the COVID-19 pandemic, I think, has influenced his career-changing decision, especially the financial struggles recent years Netflix has gone through, you know, with subscribers going down. And, you know, Netflix has tried to find ways so that people stay, including mobile games. Although if you're using Netflix on iOS and Android, you do play games. So they're trying to find, you know, a way to just try to be convincing to give subscriptions and all that. And that's sort of understandable. Uh, the, the whole shakeup will see Bella Baragia, Barahia, uh, you know, who served as the company's global head of television, uh, step up, step in as chief content officer, though. So that's an interesting part. 
Uh, you know, Scott Stuber, he pre previously was the head of Global Film, will step in as a chairman of Netflix Film. So, the, you know, there's been a lot of changes in terms of work culture and, you know, replacements and also uh, more people within Netflix organization taking on bigger roles and, and so forth. And this has happened because they've lost like more than a third of its market value in the past year. Um, you know, after like a decade of really growing tremendously. And, you know, both Sarandos and Peters will now have the be in charge of trying to uh, regain momentum and lead Netflix through a more austere era in the in entertainment industry where so many popular films and TV shows, uh, you know, are more on streaming platforms, more so than on cable television, if you've noticed it. So <clears throat> that's the interesting thing. It didn't help that investors were stunned when so many subscribers lost uh, were you know they lost so many subscribers and their stock really plummeted so it didn't really help and you know and there were a lot of skepticism how like how it could really push forward in the market and be profitable in the entertainment industry and uh you know what kind of cost you know cost conscious moves they can make you know what decisions they have to make to cut costs as well so a bit of a strange situation they found themselves in. And it did result in Reed Hastings stepping down. I mean, he was really the brains behind Netflix growth. And he's he's admitted to some mistakes as well in a book that I have. From Blockbuster or something to being, being like selling DVDs online on rental and, and so forth. From being like an online DVD rental company to having a streaming platform of its own to call home and, you know, uh, being the company that has seen so many enter entertainment classic films on its platform to this day, making a major impact, you know, a lot of the content that has gone nominations in recent years. So really a major, major culture change in the entertainment industry. But uh, without Reed Hastings, I mean, uh, difficult place, difficult situation. Uh, but with the culture already in set, I, I think they'll be fine. Going forward, they're going to be more than okay from here on out. One last topic, and it's not a good one. Uh, maybe some people now are aware of the name Justin Roiland. He's kind of like the co-creator who started the Rick and Morty animated TV sh series. He also was involved in a gaming project with Squatch Games called High on Life that's on Windows and Xbox. Well, recently, domestic abuse charges have come to light. And so he's going to be facing trials for, for a domestic abuse case that goes back to January 2020. And so companies like Hulu and Adult Swim have announced that they had to cut ties with Justin Roiland. And so it's in a very bad situation that they're in. Even Adult Swim said on Twitter, Adult Swim has ended its association with Justin Roiland. Rick and Morty will continue. The talented, dedicated crew are hard at work on season seven. So, yeah, you can tell that and like just get away. You know, he voiced Rick and Morty, the main character. So now there has to be a bit of a recast there as well. And even Squatch Games, I'll talk about uh, what is it exactly high on life? 
On January 16, 2023, Squanch Games re- received Justin Roiland's resignation. The passionate team, the passionate team at Squanch will continue developing games we know our fans will love while continuing to support and improve high on life. Squanch Games. So what is it exactly? It's it's a first person shooter that's supposed to be comedic in a way. He's involved like part of the creating team developing develop a group of the Squanch Games. I don't really know too much, although he did voice guns. Like part of the reason that separates itself from uh, other games in the genre, which is very crowded, is like there are talking guns. Like there are there are like a few guns who talk, try to be funny, jokes, try to be funny. It's meant to be like a humorous first-person shooter with talking guns. That's basically it. Even Justin Roiland uh, voiced one of the guns in the game as well. You know so. At least there's something. But as for critics and sales, it hasn't done well. Critics haven't really loved the game, and I don't blame them. I don't think it's a personal thing. I just, I, I don't know what the jokes are like, but I doubt that they're really funny. I'm sure they're not funny anymore after what's been going on. But I mean, like, uh, what are, you know, what are the terms of the deal? How long could he face prison time? Uh, it's not really clear yet. But it's a situation for Justin Roiland that will get uglier and uglier. Alright guys and gals, that pretty much wraps up the Films and Pixels podcast episode 30. If you have watched and listened from beginning to end, I once again I'd like to thank you for the time you have given from your busy day, your busy schedule. It means a lot, like I said in the beginning. Like and comment, subscribe to my YouTube channel. It really means a lot. It's, your support is tremendous. So again, thank you. And just really thank you for interacting and engaging with my pages. And this video means a lot. It's always much appreciated. The kind words, if you have any, are you know always very good for me as well. And yeah, uh, this is your host, Afif. And good day and good night.